0: hello and welcome to the sala podcast my name is steph and today i'm catching up with casper Schmidt. We're coming to you from a meeting room in the Sile office in Adelaide, which is a stone's throw from Casper's massive show at Adelaide Contemporary Experimental Gallery. Uh, and I want to acknowledge the Kaurna people as the traditional owners of the land that we're meeting on and working on and pay respect to elders past and present. Casper, thank you for making time to chat today. I know you're so busy. <laughs>
1: um, it's actually the calm after the storm yeah for me. yeah yeah, yeah happy so. to be here yeah oh good thank
0: you <laughs> um usually this is the part where i'd give a bit more information about your art practice but where do I start? I mean, <laughs> you you make physical objects, you make music, you make digital pieces, you perform, you work individually, you work collaboratively, you make mm. costume. Uh, so I'm going to handle this to you. Mm. <laughs> Could you please describe your practice?
1: Um, well, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting one. I'd say I'd make process-driven performative works using local materials and, try, and create site specific installations or participatory sculptures
0: I love that you managed to find an umbrella for the the scope of (laughs) everything you
1: do well done (laughs) there's a lot of words there you know sometimes you just boil it down to three or two or three words but yeah it's hard I I love all the little different processes and materials that I get to use
0: I think you'd have to be with the amount of work that you're putting in you'd have to have some hyperfixation on that aspect so well (laughs) done and uh I get the impression that you were always going to be an artist is that is that fair mm. to say
1: um yeah i was kind of, I guess I was kind of born into it in a way like my mum is an artist yeah. and she does a, um a lot of like really rehabilitative work so she she's an artist in resident in hospitals and right. aged care centers and yeah. community centers and uh yeah kindergarten schools right. like whatever wherever she kind of orientates so
0: she'd be very in tune with like the sort of very tangible therapeutic uh, benefits of art is that yeah. kind of yeah like art therapy and all those kinds exactly
1: of things? yeah but yeah. like i guess she doesn't see herself as an art therapist and she doesn't necessarily yeah. want to be one either yeah. she's actually quite against that idea but yeah she, don't put she, her in a box yeah she doesn't want to fix a problem she wants okay. to prevent a problem Right. Do you know what I mean? So I think like therapy and hospitals and those kinds of environments often react to uh, an injury or react to whether it's even a brain injury. You know. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think that she's really interested in the, I guess, the preventative nature of the just the happiness and and belonging and purpose you get out of making art oh that's so so good that's that's her that's a great distinction yeah Yeah. thank you for (laughs) making sure she felt represented there yeah yeah Yeah. Mm. she always reiterates that to me and I'm like I'm starting to understand it fully but yeah it's been I haven't always um regarded myself or regarded that part of my practice as the most important you know like For most of my teens and early 20s, I really wanted to be like a famous artist, Jean-Michel Basquiat, painting paintings and selling them for millions of dollars. Yeah, yeah, grandiose. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I I really romanticized that idea of an artist and alone in the studio, um, you, you know, Painting my suffrage onto yes. a, onto a surface using <laughs> vibrant colors you know yeah, I, yeah. and I did that I, lo- I loved it and I, and I got really good at it and I, I sold my paintings and I did it you know yeah. but um I felt like there was more to why I wanted to be there in the yeah. first place, and I now know that it was completely linked to just making stuff with people yeah and it's it really is that simple yeah. you know, it really is just it's a privilege to be able to to play with nonsense to mm. to do things out of boredom and no reason, and and just because they're beautiful, you know, yeah. and and be able to to chase beauty for for no reason other than to be happy, you know. Yeah, that's that, so that is to me what art should be. You yeah, know? <laughs> that is that is yeah. it, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Amazing. Um. So from early Casper, who entered a seal photograph in a in a was it a show in (laughs) which show yeah
1: i can't it was my early teens i remember that it's a long time ago now you know it's like literally 15 years ago (laughs) so um (laughs) (laughs) but my mom entered like my mom was in this collaborative show at the drill hall um across the road from the festival center and i had taken this really good photo of a baby seal on kangaroo island and she was like, "We'll print it off and we'll frame it and we'll put it in the show." And I was like, "I'm in Sala. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: and I cool. thought it was so cool. And I oh, was like, were. "And then you know,
1: <laughs> I got to hang my work on this on this giant building's wall, yeah, and yeah. there was all these artists doing this crazy stuff." Yeah, and yeah.
0: And that that building has vibes. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's
1: such a cool it's a cool spot. That's but, so cool. Um, so
0: that was like the early like. No, I'd say that was my
1: first exhibition ever. You
0: know, I'm, I love that it was yeah. a solo one. That's so good, cool. <laughs> and good on your mum for yeah. making it happen.
1: Oh, uh, she's been exhibiting around the world forever. You know, so. That was pretty. It was pretty normal for me to have to go to my mum's like install because oh, yeah. you know me and my brother would always have to come and like sit in the corner of the gallery while my mum put up her work with the other gallery yeah. artists.
0: And, That's such and, a cool insight, yeah. As well to be like seeing the behind the scenes from such an early age of being like normal. So. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it is great. It, it's it's cool because the type of people that you get to hang out with in those environments, like you know, they're really they'll give you some paper and some art materials. You can just sit there and draw. Like True. when you're a kid in that environment, it's like. Great, because you've got crafts and you keep creative people <laughs> yeah. around you that, like, are willing to listen and play. and Yeah. You know, I guess yeah. that's a great thing about it. Yeah, so you would have
0: been around those kind of... Yeah, there's nice energies mm, for, for a long time. Um, and so <laughs> still struggling to just, like, find the right in point to the behemoth that is your practice. Because um, it's looked like lots of different things. Um, gosh, I don't even know where to, like... Can you talk maybe a bit about how you regard the collaborative work that you do and then also the really individual projects that you've done? Like, are they distinct in your mind or are they mm. one and the same? Is it all enmeshed?
1: I, th- I think the the beauty of an individual practice is that you have this meditative time to yourself to really go inside of yourself and understand what why you're doing what you're doing and it doesn't have to it doesn't even have to be why you're painting a canvas you can think you can think about an inner dialogue that involves why you love the people you love why you live in the place you do why you do the things that you do in your life you know and it doesn't have to be that you know your life revolves around painting painting can just be the medium for you to be able to have the agency to contemplate within yourself you know i think Mm. that was really important for me when i was younger and 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 it still is today it's just that i think i've changed my medium a lot and there's been you know revolutions in my practice i think my most recent craft based work was paper mache because i Mm. was really interested in like recycled material Mm. i was i was i realized that i've been painting with plastic my whole life really and and I kind of wanted to get away from using materials that weren't biodegradable. And and I think um, papers related to my Indo-Aryan heritage and uh, like the Persian, Pakistani, Indian um, and ancient crafts of paper are, are, are like all over the world now. You know, the, the French adopted it for their furniture. And yeah, that's what made me interested, I guess. But um, there's that part of my practice, which is like solitary. And I think... I find a lot of that in writing now as well. Like, I, I love to write now. You know, it's, it's so integral to my practice, I yeah, think. Yeah. I, I don't think I could be where I am without it.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that sort of sits within the solitary, reflective yeah, exactly. vehicle for deeper, you know, introspection. That's yeah. cool. whether it's
1: creative writing or, um, yeah, really, like, I guess, grant writing, you know, or... <laughs> There's um, merits in yeah. that, yeah. <laughs> Reviewing, um, even helping other people write their um, yeah. Philosophy to their practice and their politics, yeah. and
0: I'm a big um, fan of being forced to find the words. that do like mm, that.
1: Yeah, I love that. I love sitting down and being able to um, read about something that's happening in the world and then react to it with my own writing. Mm. I like doing that now. But collaboratively, I think it. Each artist has their individual practice, and they have their own like way of finding their their place in the art scene of the world and and then I guess now, now that I have the power to have had so much experience and made such a huge community in the art, literally everyone I know is an artist. Like, my mom, my dad, my brother, my girlfriend, my best friends. Like, I, I almost need less artists. <laughs> I, need to get, I need to make Dilute. a lot outside of art, you know. Um, <laughs> like, my, my father was a scientist, but since retiring, now he's a sci-fi novelist, apparently. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I guess he just saw the rest of us all be artists and he was like, oh, man, maybe I should do it too, you know? um, but, yeah, so I, I think the power that I have now is to enable other people to make stuff, you know, the way I have. And I think, like, like I said before, art, making art is a privilege. It's something that, like, only societies that can really afford and, like, not just monetarily, but, like, psychologically. I, is the society happy enough to have the room to want to make art, you know, and I think that's, that's something that comes into play. So I want to be able to facilitate people to find that privilege and to understand that you know maybe i think there's heaps of people in in our state in our country that volunteer already and do yeah. those kinds of things but i think the arts are, is a great you know it's probably the best way to express yourself and um yeah now my now my job i guess is to facilitate the people who who are really pushing the boundaries of understanding who they are and who are what our society is and and encouraging to tradition to exist in, in Adelaide, you know, I, I, I know it's a big call to make that I'm someone doing that, but I think I, I want, that's, that's my drive towards life. That's what I want to do with my life is to make sure that the community that exists within has the traditions that it needs in order to identify with a culture that, that we all share, you know, that's, that's my drive in. And I, and I see there's a lot of disparity in that, in our country, you know, like, uh, even just the fact that our country gives a gives an acknowledgement every time we do an event is something to be to think about and and not every country in the world does that even though every country in the world has first nations you know they all every place in the world has had ancient civilizations that are completely connected to the ecology and and spirituality of the land you know like but not everyone not everyone needs to acknowledge it and and i think we really do and i think we're all and we've actually learned so much and even just the past five years of how that can be done mm-hmm. and and integrated this identity of of so-called australian culture mm-hmm. into what we do and you know figured out that we are the oldest culture in the world yeah. it's just that it's hard to identify as it you know when really you've been part of the vehicle that's abused it
0: yes you know? yeah yeah but i hope that yeah. momentum of of leaning into the difficult conversations continues yeah. and
1: and i think as an immigrant like i'm li- i'm i'm technically a third generation immigrant that means that my both of my grand like both sides of my family have immigrated for three generations yeah so my great my grandparents on both sides were also immigrants wow. yeah so I'd, you know like i my grandparents, my parents, and I. Even my great-grandparents on my, on my father's side, but that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> we only have half an hour. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but so I think, you know, in, within all of that immigration, there's a lot of identity in, in um, diaspora. And, yeah. and with that comes the, the, these ideas of colonization. And, you know, colonization is a big word. And it's being thrown around a lot at the moment, and I think there's a lot of intricacy to it, and there's a lot of unknowns in in that political agenda, that theme, that topic, and it interests me because it is so broad, and it does it has affected my life, you know, and or at least intergenerationally, um, yeah. Yeah. and so yeah, I'm, through my ancestry, I'm learning about colonization yeah. in the world, and through colonization in the world, I'm learning about Australian identity and and the the politics of of why we think we are who we are you know yeah. yeah
0: gosh I can see why uh where am I going with this there's a lot going on in that in that brain <laughs> there's a lot yeah. and uh, yeah okay let me there'll be a piece of music in here. <laughs> I've, I've just been like this is a lot of words for before lunchtime
1: yeah, it's not even noon yet. I know. <laughs> I'm Chill out. again. Really nicely established. I ramble.
0: Let's both. Let's both do it. All right. <laughs> We're
1: gonna go. <laughs>
0: Casper and I have just committed to really trying not to talk to fill spaces, so there may be some extra pauses (laughs) from here on. Uh,
1: Don't ramble, don't ramble. (laughs) Don't don't ramble,
0: don't repeat myself. Uh, And now I won't be able to put my sentence together. Um, Coming back to the sort of themes about diaspora and, you know, all of those things that have just kind of come into your thinking, is there a work in particular that you can sort of tie it to to make... uh, oh my god words uh i think you said the imi works are probably Mm -hmm. the best example of that can you maybe speak to Mm. that a little bit oh totally
1: um i guess for seven years i explored cultural identity um cultural alienation representation um you know what 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 is what is appropriation and what is i guess um you know pushing tradition and and how do i how do you identify with tradition in, when you're not from quote unquote mm. a place or a culture you know and that that's been a huge part of my life because you know i was born in germany my mom's a pakistani canadian my dad's a german colombian i i live in australia i you know i look like i'm i'm brown and i look like i'm fr- from india or pakistan but i don't speak the language nor do I have the accent nor have I ever been there and I I, I still need to go there you know like um so those things um really mix up your idea of where you should identify traditionally and so I you know but then living in Australia you want to identify with the people around you and and you know you want to be part of the society you're in and and Emmy was an like Emmy is the prefix for um immigration or in oh, that's like where it comes to put from. something in you know that's the to im is the prefix for putting something in um yeah. and so yeah i, I created a, essentially because i couldn't i didn't feel like i could identify with being german i didn't feel like yeah. australian indian canadian i don't feel like any of those yeah. so i was like all right well i'll just make my own that's so cool <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then I can test all my theories on my own. Yeah, you know? yeah. And I don't have to appropriate anyone. I don't, ha- like, I don't, have, to yeah, don't have to subject to. any of the cultures that I, I partially identify yeah. with, with, with my experiments. I yeah. can just subject myself to it. Yeah. And so what I did is I got... Um, I, did, I was doing heaps of workshops, as I always do, with different communities all, all around Adelaide and, and Australia. And I, what, I just started to use the colour blue in association with all of them. Yeah. So,
0: it, it was this lovely, vivid, yeah, like but a, deep, rich blue. Yeah, yeah.
1: Greeny, bluey, like it wasn't quite an electric blue. It was a bit more of like a, yeah, greeny blue, I feel. Yeah. but um, In the
0: in the realm of. Yeah, yeah exactly. I
1: yeah. mean, I didn't. I wasn't too particular. If there was something blue, I, it, I, you know, I was like a bower bird. I just drew myself. A
0: bower yeah. bird, yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, I was obsessed with the, and colour's been such an important part of my practice, but, um, but that it, tied it together. Yeah, exactly. That's, what it did is like, it It did, it really did tie, it gave it, gave it uniformity. And mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things that pe- people think of culture. You know, they think, oh, if it's red, it's Chinese. Yeah. Or, you know, or if it's like, you know, that we, we have these... It's such a
0: simple thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah.
1: Uh, I mean, that's it's not... It's a bit
0: reductive. It's not <laughs> black and white as yeah.
1: well. It's not black and white. You know, it's ah. like, you know, everybody has different ideas for colour and, and where and they associate it, with. it yeah. with. But I think giving you know giving my audience this kind of overarching aesthetic yeah. to the work made them think that it was all tied together whereas like if i'd just done it like any community art project is done yeah they would they would have just my audience would have looked at it and gone oh that's just community art
0: isn't that interesting so
1: i yeah. used i used i used the illusion of aesthetic and uniformity to tie everything together culturally yeah. and and to me that you know It was almost like my gag that I used to to fool people into thinking that everything I did was connected because it was. It it was you know all my work is connected thematically. Um, It's just that you can't see that. Yeah. You know, if 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 you look at a community center and the art that's made in it, it's all different colors by different people with different fonts because they all have different handwriting, different subjects. There's no tangential visual. visual. you know, connection. And, and I think that's, and I don't necessarily think you need one either. Yeah. It's just that I forced myself into one in order to make it digestible yeah. as for a contemporary arts audience. Yeah. You know, I think that's why I did that. Yeah. And so, and I think that speaks to cultural representation in general. Yeah, you know, I think, yeah,
0: there's a lot of layers there. <laughs> yeah, think,
1: like one of the, I did a six month residency at the Museum of South Australia with um, a men- through a mentorship with John Cardy. Um, and essentially, we went through the museum and just looked at the ethics of, of cultural representation in, in a museum context. And you know, I have a lot of problems with the Museum of South Australia. I have a lot of problems with museums in the world in general. I just think I've been doing a lot of work with the Humboldt Forum in, in Berlin, which is a very contra- people have been people protested the building of the building that the Humboldt is in for twenty years, and then by the time it was built, they decided to put one of the largest colonial um, organizations for ethnological collections in the world into it. You know, it's like imagine t- taking a capitalistic represent, like the, the architecture of a the, the, uh, castle of West Germany, re- just really represents the the early like ideas of capitalism within society. Whereas it was a it was a republic building before that. It was like a socialistic building that was in that same spot. You know. Anyway. At the Museum of South Australia with John Cardi, I looked at a lot of the displays of Indigenous culture. Yeah, yeah. And to me, Indigenous culture isn't necessarily like bat boomerangs and clapsticks and like, you know, making a fire with sticks. And, you know, it's like that we, we really think of First Nations culture as being like ancient and um, being something that is has like stagnated within a certain era of yeah. humanity like you know hunters and collectors and you know
0: almost at arm's length
1: yeah exactly it. it's and like trips. that's how society was yeah. you know um whereas i just think like indigenous cultures contemporary like contemporary. there's you know yeah. and really like if you go to the, a museum and you you want to you want to see indigenous culture you shouldn't go to see it the way it was represented like or the, the way that it w- was yeah. pre-colonization i think yeah. that's think that's wrong. I, th- I don't. Th- I think that all representations of culture should be contemporary, for, with, and by the people who are part of it. Yeah, you know? yeah. um, and so that's that was my big pro- a big problem that I had with the museum, and I still have. I think um, uh, it's a bit controversial to say something like that, but I yeah I, I definitely de- think there could be some major changes made in our, our cultural institutions. Um, yeah. And so I went there, and I just like took the aesthetics of anthropology that. The museum used, you know, glass cases, little plaques and...
0: Yeah, that real, like, here is the artefact kind of Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, the artefacts and... The
0: here I'm presenting it for you kind of. Yeah,
1: and, you know, even, like, down... Like, I think John was the first one who instigated the plaques underneath the objects, say, who the artists were that made them, not who the anthropologist was who found them. That's an important distinction, yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, it's a major difference, um, but it's very small as well. It's just changing a little piece of paper that's yeah. underneath it, you know, and so things like that I took into consideration for the work, and then I, ex- I presented a, a variety of portraits and objects that I'd made that were in context to cultural representation of my own culture that I invented mm-hmm. using... using. Um, Artworks that the community had made in workshops, you know. So that was ah, kind of yes. it was like I was gathering folklore from all of these kids and and like people that I worked with in 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 Adelaide over the years doing workshops. That's so cool. And used it in context to to representing my own culture. Yeah. <laughs> so you know my 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 family and friends were all in the show. My brother my brother's band played. And um, the, the most interesting thing I thought was that we we had is that floating goose. Yeah. Like right at the beginning of floating goose. Yeah. And. Inside the window, we set up as kind of set with a like a tarp as the backdrop, and then we had the band play inside. Real, real humans. Like we were giving out or, like vegan hors d'oeuvres to the audience, and everybody was on the street. There was like all these people in the middle of Morphett Street watching it. And then we played. We actually made a short film, um, and then we put the curtain down, removed the whole installation, took all of our costumes off, and then let the audience into a kind of anthropological. Um, study of us
0: gosh there's (laughs) so much going on there (laughs) oh wow yeah i'm gonna need another pause to (laughs) soak that in
1: Um,
0: all right i think it's time to talk about rockamora Mm -hmm. which is currently on at Adelaide Contemporary Experimental. Now, this is the – you were announced as the recipient of the Porter Street Commission, and this is the outcome. And I'm very excited Mm. about the whole thing. Um, (laughs) And it ties in really well with what we were just talking about because you're sort of saying, you know, I, I think it's fair to say that you tend to have these projects that they don't just have one single life. They sort of have these iterations, and there's this lovely development that happens you know, between and, you know, building upon, um, you know, these projects. Um, so Rockamora actually does, yeah, sort of tie in with the Mm IMI works. Um, maybe I'll just throw to you, can you, how, maybe we should talk about what the, the actual theme of Rockamora is, because Mm. I think it's really fascinating. Um, and maybe just paint a bit of a picture of, of what the install looks like as well, or or what it is. Mm. I guess... (laughs) <laughs> Where do I begin? I know.
1: <laughs> creek goes my chair. Um, <laughs> I guess, technically, this is the fifth Rockamora. Yeah, yeah. You know, because we've toured it around Victoria. we toured yeah. it regionally throughout South Australia. Yeah. like. Um, and we, collaborative, kind of, you know, large-scale, yeah, kind of yeah, multifaceted. Well, f- <laughs> you know, it's funny, saying we... I, I don't want to say I because every single time I've done it, it's been with other people. Yeah. And you know, like sure, like um, there's the Jeff Coons and that would always say I when they talk about their own work. But I just don't. I don't think that's the reality of 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 definitely my practice. I think people put so much of themselves in it for so little, you know, and they just do it because they love me and 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 we have the energy
0: uh, of it all. Yeah, yeah, we have a community
1: and we have a family that makes cool shit together. You know. Sorry, my French. Oh, we're um, not bleeping that out. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But yeah, I think, so the the first Rockamora was completely off the cuff. It was built out of um, remnants of an old bookstore and some awnings from a community center. And we just used a couple of hinges and and like like some kind of drum kit stools as the eyes. And then we had my brother and Ben Sargent, who were musicians, and set up a microphone. And then, you know, we just... Installed this big puppet at Carclu. Mm. It wasn't like I never thought of myself as a puppeteer. Do you know what I mean? Yeah,
0: I okay. I, I don't
1: think of these works as puppets. Yeah. I don't. I don't know why. To me, puppetry is very specific to um, a time and a place. You know, I think it's very Western idea. I don't like. Not that you know. There's incredible puppetry in the Eastern cultures as well. But I think of the works as participatory sculptures yeah. because. I don't want only myself to be controlling them. My aim is for the community that gets to see them and interact with them to actually control them as well. Yeah, and that so, dynamics. That's important. different to being a puppeteer. I think, you know, a puppeteer just makes an object that they create an ontology for to understand and move yeah. and speak for.
0: And the audience yeah. receives it very passively. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, Whereas yeah.
1: my sculptures you can go inside of them or you can become them yourself. Yeah, you know, yeah. and I think that's an important dif- difference to make. And so um, yeah, first Rockamore was just a car clue. Kids feeding chips that they found in the, in the yard to this giant monster. Some kids got scared. We were like, don't worry, dude, this is all fake. We took them around the back and then they get to have the microphone and control the sculpture. Maybe. We just sit back, drink a coffee and let them play with it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Imagination's going gone wild, yeah. love it. Yeah. And that
1: toured to Streaky Bay, to Onkaparinga, to, you know, all, all around. And then we went to Melbourne and we built a new one at Seventh Gallery, which was Blue.
0: Okay. Yeah. So
1: that's where I kind of tied in Imi to Rockamora. Yeah. And what we did is we, we hung a giant parcel from the ceiling and then at the opening of the exhibition we played past the parcel and <laughs> we had a bunch of microwaves in between each layer of the parcel. There was popcorn, you got to make a, a bag of popcorn in the microwave... <laughs> And then you would unwrap the layers of your cultural identity, which is what Wow, the, there's a lot there. <laughs> that, that was the idea. It's so like much. take a layer off of the parcel and feed it to Rockamora. They'll they'll eat the layer of your cultural identity and spit out some information or just talk about, you know, the the binaries of 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 how we identify, and I think, and how to break down binaries in, in our identity and become more. Have more of a spectrum in yes. in how we how we see ourselves in in all kinds of ways, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. not just culture, gender, what you know, whatever we could feed into it. We had a bunch of poets that helped us write stuff, and oh wow! And then we gave this dialogue that um, reacted to people feeding layers of this pass the parcel game to the puppet.
0: There's such a great dynamic between like the very. Uh like the ideas that you're tapping into that, you know, I really have to pay attention to make sure I'm following properly. And yet it's, you know, juxtaposed with, you know, this very, uh, like it's so playful and and accessible and, you know, unpretentious. And, (laughs) you know, what a great marriage of, you know, yeah, these two things that, Mm. and, and I think maybe just for anyone who hasn't seen it yet, at the moment, the current iteration yeah. It's a giant head. Yeah. like, yeah. And, you know, there are these comically big, I mean, maybe we should t- tap into the, um, the actual, the, who, yeah, what Rockamora is yeah, based on and, and I, what, it, yeah. what it means, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Rockamora is the name of my mother and her sisters. So she, had two, she has two sisters. Um, and they all, went, they all got to Canada and they, they landed and they were the brown girls in the white school. Okay. And they had a bully. And the bully was called Rockamora. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so they always, when I was a kid, told me the story of confronting Rockamora oh as a way for me to deal with my own stuff, you know? And so I really had this kind of absurdized or exaggerated idea of this moment in time that they, for them, was just, like, you know, they just scrubbed it off and they they turned it into this story that they tell their kids. But, like, it wasn't that important to them. But because I was a kid and I had this this idea in my head of who Rockamora is you know yeah. Rockamora was probably 10 feet tall in my, course. yeah, in my yeah. eyes you know <laughs> but like in her eyes it's just like a little kid that she was had a rough time playing with you know yeah, and yeah. my auntie is really good friends with Rockamora and the real Rockamora still is alive and lives in Toronto and has no idea that there's a giant <laughs> sculpture in Adelaide that's made in, <laughs> in like with why are man. my ears <laughs> burning
0: <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> forever
1: yeah <laughs> maybe one day Rockamora will go to Toronto and they'll just be like whoa <laughs> <laughs> but you know i think the the reason why like i think it became clear to me through me and through the beginnings of representing the first rock and More is that like you can't represent culture if it's not your own you know you really yeah. just can't and yeah. so how can I, I ask myself how can i represent ideas and stories that are necessary to society to to feel better about existing, you know, mm. like to, to find purpose and to, to deal with the stuff we deal with every day. And I was like, I want to tell my own stories. Yeah, That's the best way to do it. It's just like figure out what stories have affected me Yes, and then tell people open, open myself up to, to show people what I've experienced so that they can feel like it's normal. Mm. You know, that's what you want. When you go to school for the first day, you want everybody else to be late. Do you know what I mean? You want everybody else to wear the weird shirt with the crinkles in it. You know, that's what you want. You just... You want to feel belonging in that everyone's flawed, yeah. you know, and, and that's why Rockamore is the bad guy, you know, yeah. because everyone is flawed. Yeah. Everyone is a bad guy, yeah. but we still need to treat bad guys with benevolence. Yeah. We still need to care for the bad guys.
0: Yeah. And that's part of the participation, isn't it? Isn't it that we're invited to care for the bully like this? Yeah. yeah. And that's such a interesting, you know, Reading the, the copy and the blurb and, uh, about what the show was about, I was just like,
1: what? This is, what? <laughs> Why? A good Why? person?
0: <laughs> I I'm being invited to be a good person. No, it's <sighs> lovely empathy, but it's, yeah, still playful. Uh,
1: and. I feel like it's counterintuitive, though. You know, it's like a very simple element of counterintuition. Yes. You know, it's like, yeah, like, I think most stories we hear are about, like, the defeat of yes. the antagonist you know like yes. we and i think that's a very patriarchal story you know i think that building and, a and web... tired <laughs> but yeah, literally i'm i'm tired of that story i'm yeah. st- I'm, I'm tired of superheroes yeah i'm, I'm tired of the pr- protagonist <laughs> okay. being this sexy blonde white man that like wears a cape and yeah. destroys <laughs> the ugly purple <laughs> They're
0: always purple. Yeah, exactly. Like why? Why?
1: You yeah. know? Like give me something that re- give me something that I can yeah. I can be I can feel I can I can understand and and yeah. identify with. You know? Like yeah.
0: Or it's just a little more real and nuanced yeah. and dynamic and mm. contradictory and yes, yeah. more things at once. So no. And so fantastic.
1: one of the best fantasy sci-fi novelists in the world, Le Guin. Everyone knows Le Guin. Wrote an essay that's called the Carrier Bag Theory, and it's the theory that most stories in our history have been written about a man who makes a weapon to defeat a bad guy. Gosh, you know, it's that like, does cover you. a lot. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of stories. <laughs> but and I was like, and and she argued that really we should need to start telling stories of the Carrier Bag, which is the person who creates a vessel to collect the information, the, the, yeah, the necessary tools to overcome something from within, you know, it's like this idea of like, taking in aspects of your ecology, aspects of your antagonist, and your family and whatever, Mm. to combine them together or to to compare them to, to understand their relationship, so that you can come up with a solution, through care and through understanding, understanding, yeah. And understanding empathy. something yeah through empathy through through combining resources yeah. you know and yes. that's what care is to me yeah. it's it's like you have to combine resources with the person affected by whatever thing that you they need healing for yeah. and then you problem solve a solution yeah. and that's what care is
0: mm, and, and so important to underscore that actually that is a very valid and interesting and brave thing to yeah. be doing it's much more interesting that than just defeating a bad they guy. They should be the
1: superheroes. <laughs> yes. It's the people who care and are yeah. like in our society. You know, the people that do the hard work that like actually takes listening yeah. and reacting and problem solving. That yes. is that's the beautiful, powerful narrative that yeah. I think we, we like. And it's not just me who tells that story. I think no. um, a lot of people dealing with topics of colonization, discrimination, even gender politics as well. Like mm. they talk about self-care and Mm -hmm. and um healing in general as a as a form of you know contemporary storytelling Mm -hmm. um a way to take the attention off of the victim and put it onto the perpetrator but still tell the story Mm -hmm. without you know damaging the the ecology that exists to uphold those narratives Mm -hmm. you know like if we constantly tell the story of like uh, the, a post-colonial a decolonial narrative through the victim then the victim has to do all the work yeah. you know all yeah. of it yeah. and we just can't do that yeah. we, there needs to be like I'm an antagonist within myself as well like I'm you know I've got many stories in my history that are flawed and mm-hmm. probably took advantage of whatever everyone situation. is someone's rockamora exactly everyone's, yeah. a yeah. everyone's a rockamora yeah. everyone's a rockamora yeah. and I think you know mm-hmm. I still want to be able to tell those stories I I want to be able to I want to be able to stand in front of my community and say my ancestors and I have done some bad stuff we've done some terrible things you know but I've also got good things and maybe I can use the good things to fix the bad things you know like let's just admit to stuff yes and then figure out how to fix it instead of just that's to me not talking about it (laughs) Rockamora to me is my idea or like my representation of the elephant in the room that's how I see it.
0: That is a great way to put it, yeah. isn't it? Cuz it is big enough.
1: <laughs> exactly. I'm like this is how big the friggin' elephant is, guys. Yeah, you know, no. this is how big it is.
0: Yeah. Massive. <laughs> like you can't ignore yeah. the giant head and yeah. the yeah.
1: It's and it's it's having a bath. That's how comfortable That's right. it is. Yeah. It's comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. All there's hundreds of you here. And this elephant in the room is taking a bath. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: There's so much to unwrap there. I love it. But what a great, just unapologetic, just like, no, this is a conversation we're having and it's fun. And you can, you know, I think it's it's not scary, which is funny because when you, for some people, when you read the word participatory is a bit of a trigger because, you know, you Mm. think of, I don't know, I think of like going to a comedy show and not sitting in the front row. You know, no one wants to be picked. But it's not like that at all. No. It's just, it's it's welcoming. And I mean, you know, we were talking before about, you know, isn't all out participatory really? You know, mm. that kind of thing.
1: I've actually, like, one of the best moments in this entire process yeah. has been on the, f- and the, fir- the first and, like, second performance. But yeah. I just remember the first one was really made an impression because it was the first time it happened. Yeah. And w- we had, like, planned, like, Kate Sheel and I, working through the performance structures and, like, some of the dramaturgy of, like... The, essentially there's six levels and the third level is feeding. So you feed Rockamora. Yeah. So like, like
0: different phases of interacting
1: with it. Exactly. The yeah. yeah, yeah, So yeah. It's, yeah. it's sleep. So you wake up Rockamora making, by making sound. Yeah. Then you clean them. You brush their teeth, clean their ears and... I um, love that giant face. cotton bud. <laughs> <laughs> and then you feed them. Um, so you throw like protein balls in their mouth. Amazing. And then they do a poo. Yeah. Um, and then they get embarrassed and they get angry. Um. And then it... You, there's two endings and you either calm them down yeah. or you break them
0: Wow. Um, God, that's, yeah. <laughs> Should we have this, power? But what a great commentary. Yeah.
1: yeah. And but the choice. One of my favourite moments in this whole process has been on the opening night, when we had planned for a few people to maybe get up during the performance mm. and throw some food in the mm. gob. We had this big pack of chips that we, we like, cut... Had all these, like, recycled styrofoam offcuts and we, like, painted them yellow. They were the chips, And then we yeah. sold the chip packet closed and, like, there was this moment where, like, as soon as we smashed like ripped open this packet of chips that Blob Funk played you know it was like Boo, bah, dee, bah, dee, 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 dee. and so during that this really up lively song yeah, yeah. we would try and give out these chips to people to feed to rockamora food, yeah. and like obviously all the every single kid in the venue got up and sprinted for the stage <laughs> like they're like give me one of those yeah, you know, like. give
0: me a giant chip yeah. but
1: not only the kids like as soon as those kids stood up literally the whole room stood up like i'd say like close to 200 people
0: oh my god and I was
1: like I just didn't think that you know we we thought maybe a handful of people in the front row might help us out and do it but we like the entire room grabbed a chip and threw it in rock and roll that is so good you know I'm just like that you my can. faith in humanity restored. You yeah. know, I <laughs> just like participation can work, and yeah. people do feel like they want to be involved in art, and yes, and, and are willing actively participate in it. You know, and yes. I just was so astounded by oh, that. Oh,
0: that's goosebumps, like, good. Yeah, yeah,
1: literally shivers up my spine. Like, uh,
0: oh. Amazing. <laughs> um, this is so interesting because I mean, if you didn't know the like, if you hadn't read the copy, and then uh, even then, talking to you now there's so much more than I'd really thought behind mm. the work. And it would almost be, if we hadn't heard you speak about it, because it's fun and colourful, it's almost, you could almost assume it was just fun and just play and just, not to be,
1: I feel terrible saying that, but no, 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 no. it's
0: It's one of those things where I'm glad we're talking about it because.
1: I think that's, it's such a common thing, you know, like uh, that's when something is happy and sprightful and, um, Optimistic and playful—it um, can seem a bit superficial.
0: Yeah, which is weird. I mean, but, it, but I know what you mean. I think yeah.
1: I think it's I think it's a flaw in how we see art yeah. to think that play is superficial.
0: Yeah, or less. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Because
1: play has strict boundaries. Do go on. Like, if you don't have parameters set in place for play, then you can't play because otherwise the world's too big and you become too scared. Right. Gosh. And so I think that's a big thing in our com- in our company, you know. So um, we've got the bait fridge, which is our like 30 plus yeah, collective of artists yeah, from yeah, yeah. anywhere and everywhere, you know. We're trying to create as much accessibility as we can with mm. our company so there's people from literally every corner of Adelaide, yeah. you know, collective. And it's a lot of really
0: um, engaging workshops and, you know, projects that are just... Yeah. And
1: process-based, you know, yes. we're just like, what, how can we let people that don't have the power take over, you
0: know? <laughs> <laughs> like you guys be in charge? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um,
1: and then there's Slow Man Go, which is the band that was kind of born within and without the bait Fridge and kind of has created this beautiful structure for the Bate Fridge to exist upon. Oh, you that's know? a so, great relationship. Yeah, m- yeah, music is foundational for the parameters that we set for our play in our, ah, co- in okay. our collective, you know. So my brother really took... The, the play that we'd done and solidified it into something tangible. And, you know, we, re- we released a record last week and it's we've already sold half of them. You know, it's it's been amazing. but um Do you sleep? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I do. I do. We all have to Sometimes. sleep. Sometimes. <laughs> Fit but, um, it in on Wednesdays. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, wow. But I think one of the big things that I've come to terms with recently is Trying to understand how important the work we do is because it is so playful. Yes, you know, and I think um, I want I want us to be seen like we are accessible and playful and open and optimistic towards the world. But I also want people to understand that what we do has in- intense processes for yeah. for accessibility for like comfortability for safety
0: safety for
1: you know it we we aren't ageist we aren't sexist we aren't you know and those to be able to say those things is big especially in the contemporary arts you know like i don't think many people can say that and you know we literally do work with people that don't have a platform because no one because they don't have the access to have one you know and and it's that when you see a performance in front of you it's just like oh yeah that person's just in a costume dancing around They've never danced in a costume before. Yeah. They've never made yeah. a costume before. Yeah. They, they learnt how to do it with us. They, they hardly, they don't even have a studio because they can't organize one for themselves. Yeah. You know, they, um, the only time that they make work is w- when they're in a situation where they're being facilitated or helped. You know, we don't help, we, we don't help people. We just want to make them feel like they're equal to us. Yeah. You know, and in order for someone to get to there is hard enough in the first place. Let alone make the work itself. Yeah, you know, and so it might seem like the topics and the themes and and the the facade of our work is really superficial and playful, but there's so much. There's so much more to it than that, yeah. which is hard to convey. You know, yeah. and and also we don't want to make someone parade their baggage if they don't feel comfortable.
0: Yes, I think that's an important thing, isn't it? Because yeah. you know, it's as much as it's so easy to for people to not observe that. That's probably the way it has to be because, mm. yeah, why would you don't want to labour someone's yeah. difficulties or someone's inability to access something? It's that's the, like
1: one of the biggest reasons why I've always done masking, like or costume, and is because it allows you to not have to identify as what you look like.
0: Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh if you part two.
1: <laughs> yeah, literally. But you know, that, I think that's a huge part of it as well. Is like it all seemed like masquerade. You know, it's like yeah. a parade of this kind of beautiful thing and but really like what is underneath the mask you know that's that's what really counts but but the great thing about our performances is that you don't have to show that yes you know you don't have to be brown you don't have to be disabled you don't have to you know be male you don't have to yeah. be female you can just be what your the character you invent is yeah you know yeah. and yeah. i know that it seems pretty simple but like yeah, the in the context
0: of everything that you're saying, <laughs> it just yeah no, and it makes yeah, sense. Yeah. And I mean that how is one of the ways that you can facilitate? You know, the no no othering. You're just all weird characters, yeah. or you know, and
1: it's an even playing field. If everyone's in a mask, it's an even playing field, yeah, yeah. you know. And and it and then behind the scenes, we create a safe space. Yeah. You know, that's where we're, that's where it's just us, and we can say you deserve the equity because you haven't had the opportunities that we have. So you get to do, you get to do what you want to do, Mm -hmm. how you want to do it, Mm -hmm. you know? And then we facilitate those people that need that access or that to, to be able to do, to present their work the way that they want to present it. Mm -hmm. It's the job of the people who have the privilege to help them behind the scenes, you know? Because help doesn't need to be presented on stage. We don't want people to think like, oh, all the all the white people are helping the brown people you know it's like that's not what we want to do that's not like I, I don't think that's the way you know
0: yeah and the difference between performing the help and just doing it for the right reasons is. yeah, yeah.
1: exactly and just having fun and 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 not having to confront those politics yeah. on the stage you know yeah. we can confront them in our own time yeah, behind yeah. the scenes you know yeah. and Ooh.
0: not laboring the point of the help because the important thing is is the work and the art and yes. the yes I think
1: and then once people are comfortable like if once people are integrated into our work yeah. then they can go and ha- they, then they can present their baggage if they want yeah, everybody yeah, yeah, wants yeah. to every I, I do it all the time you know like I mean like there's so many forms in society of, of performance and art where people are parading their baggage yeah, you yeah. know like just showing the world how yeah. they suffered and that because that's what is freaking beautiful but it's not easy getting there. You got you got to really know yourself yeah, to to yeah. do something like
0: that. And you that. have to be yeah. safely in that position to exactly. make that
1: choice. But yeah.
0: amazing. I love <laughs> I love it all um and I love the just the enigma of like Fridge, But what is it? And like what, you know, so, <laughs> there's just this like I don't know, mythology around it all that's mm. great. But um yeah, quintessentially essentially uh, like so south Aussie and yeah. but also Worldly and untethered and oh my goodness, unhinged. i unhinged. <laughs> and can we finish on that? Thank you for your <laughs> delving into the unhinged with Casper.
1: And I could honestly, I couldn't do it without them. You yeah. know, like uh, my my name might be at the front of the Porter Street Commission title because that's how the commission works. But in the end, you know, my entire career is hinged off of the community that I have here, yeah. and you know, I. I didn't go to school my my community is the the one that i made art with yeah. while i worked you know in every context from sign writing to festival to exhibition to you know reading and writing you know everything
0: no better foundation than that yeah thank you cheers so much the Bay cheers to the bait <laughs> bridge and Bay sala Bay. oh my god we
1: didn't even get to talk about sala <laughs> that's all right we're in it baby
0: <laughs> it's everywhere <laughs> oh.